Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Talos Takes. I am your host, Nick Biasini, and today I am joined by threat researcher Vitor Ventura. Vitor, welcome to the program today. Uh, Thank you, Nick. Happy to be here. Uh, Really good. So you recently published a blog discussing active defenses. Uh, Can you start by talking a little bit about what you mean exactly by active defenses? So what I mean by active defenses is that uh, often defenders um, take a a neutral stance, waiting for attackers to be detected with the automated systems and waiting for alerts. And what what, what what I want to mention when I talk about active defenses is we need to start looking for attackers even before they are detected. So instead of just on a passive stance waiting for for alerts, uh, defenders, if they can, they should go after the, the the attackers, looking into their logs, into their telemetry before they are even detected, so that they can prevent the the further wrongdoing. Okay, interesting. So, um, if an organization wants to kind of start looking at this idea of active defense, uh, where would you recommend would be a good place for them to start? So uh, there are two different places where where they can start. Oh, oh, for one. When we think about active defenses, we need to think about that the basics are already done. So you would imagine that an organization would have a layered approach uh, into into cybersecurity as the model that is often uh, recommended. So if something is detected in your most inner layer, imagine that you have several several layers like an onion, of course. Uh, If something is detected, the question becomes is if it was blocked or not, because if you detect it, most often often they, they will be blocked. But how did it got there? Because if malware or an attack is detected in the most inner layer, it has passed through all the other layers. And what you want to know is not if it was detected, if it was blocked or not, because you already know that. What you want to know is what failed on the other layers so that you can improve your, your security. That would be one point, which is having people dedicated to investigate stuff that was already detected. The other point would be looking into a, into a DNS. Most of your of, of organization infrastructure uh, will support and will uh, work upon DNS. So often looking to the DNS queries, into the DNS resolutions, that will help um, defenders to have a better understanding of what's going on in their organization and then also detect some uh, malicious actors. So let's dig a little bit deeper on that, the monitoring DNS. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what exactly that would entail? So on for once, it... It would need um, defenders need to be able to log DNS queries, not only the resolutions but also the queries. By knowing who is resolving what, on one side, if there is an a, a, an incident, you immediately know which machines are resolving that DNS. If you have that information, that will bring you to a most a more effective and efficient instant response. On the other side. By keeping those logs, and I understand that it's hard to keep those logs because that's a lot of information, you can have an historical view of what's going on. And if a report comes out saying that a certain DNS has been associated with a threat actor, you can go back in time and see who is resolving that, if someone. And keep in mind that it doesn't really matter if you if you now you have the signatures to detect that specific malware. If the threat actor has been in your organization for long enough, chances are they have used different stuff and those tools are no longer detectable. So being able to look back into those DNS uh, logs, that's one important thing. The other important thing I would like to to mention also, it's the external side of of DNS. Mm -hmm. DNS works in a hierarchical way. I'm not going through all into all that detail, but 
we should think that DNS resolution for a specific company domain often depends on external companies that have a, a defensive posture different than your organization. So having monitoring the way that your name server records are being resolved and your actual host names are being resolved to the outside, monitoring that is extremely important because someone can divert traffic going into your VPN server, server for instance, just by attacking a third party for whom you don't control the security at all. Those kind of things are really important in order to improve your security stance. Yeah, absolutely. On that second point, for listeners that are more curious, go read about things like Sea Turtle to get an idea of the type of attacks and, and activity that Vitor is talking about here. So you have a pretty thorough section as well on creating high priority alerts, uh, including things like canary accounts. Can you talk a little bit about what these high priority alerts are and a little bit more generally about the concept of deception? So one one of the problems that often defenders and uh, have as a whole is alert fatigue. So there's a lot of alerts coming in and you need to, to distinguish the ones that are really high priority from the low priority. And what happened is for the most rules that you may have and correlation rules that you may have, that tends to be to still have some effect. So by creating specific accounts and by creating specific uh, alerts that you know that have a really low probability of having a false positive, you can immediately, if, if that alert occurs, you can immediately divert the necessary efforts to tackle that problem. So this means, for instance, having a, a domain account or uh, having a domain account that doesn't necessarily have the privileges, but would seem like having the privileges, that would be a good point. So if that if that account is used, you know that no one ever uses that account. It should never be used. If someone ever, ever uses that for a login, you know that something is wrong. The, the idea is to create, uh, and it really depends on each each company and each organization environment. Absolutely. It, it actually mar- kind of harkens back to the idea of a canary in the coal mine, right? If something happens, exactly. you know something really bad is going on. Exactly. That's exactly the idea. Uh, so one of the other things you talk about in the post is the importance of visibility. Uh, can you talk a bit about why that's so paramount to an organization's success when they are compromised? Let's take ransomware as an example. If a ransomware is deployed on an organization, you immediately know about it. Everything will stop. You'll see all the, all the, the ransomware notes and all that. Now, at this point, it's not about detection. It's about knowing when it, when it started. And there are several research that point points out that uh, they might be inside their organization for a week or two weeks, for instance, before they actually deploy the ransomware. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of uh, logical to understand that because uh, with the double extortion, they need the, the the threat actors need time to identify the data and exfiltrate it. So that takes time. When it, when they deploy the ransomware, that it all becomes about not really about detection, but about knowing when it started, so that you can actually restore before the first compromise. Otherwise, you might be restoring already compromised systems. So if you don't have visibility into your organization, you don't know when that point starts. So it's all about having the visibility. And sometimes you may think, oh, yeah, I'm not deploying such such system because I won't be able to monitor it. It's not only just about monitoring. It's about going, being able to go back in time and know what happened when. This is one point. On the other side of the visibility, there's often what I usually call the tunnel vision. People are often so entangled in the daily basis of their operations that they don't actually have the time to take a step back and try to see what's not there. And this means that for a good example would be 
uh, going back to the DNS example, many companies don't block the DNS queries because on one side, there's a lot of information, but on the other side, they never needed it. The moment they will need it, they don't have it. So someone needs to take a step back, look for what's not there and see, oh, I really should have this kind of information to improve my visibility. This goes all, all of this. It's about the threat hunting model, which is threat hunting inside your organization and hence detecting on one side, looking for what's not on the alerts, but also figuring out what don't you have that you should have in order to have a better visibility of your environment and of your infrastructure. To kind of close this out, do you have any advice for organizations that are kind of trying to move beyond a purely reactive approach to security? So what I would advise them is to try to, as often as they can, try to do threat hunting exercises. If you don't find anything, you most probably will be able to figure out what should you or should you have in order to be able to do a better threat hunting. And that brings us back to improve your visibility. Just like, for instance, uh, I was thinking about DNS, but now I'm thinking, for instance, NetFlows. If you have an, historic, an, an historical uh, NetFlows from systems, if you see a system with an abnormal quantity of data being transferred out from one system to another, maybe that's the beginning of a double extortion of someone exfiltrating data. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the visibility, if you don't even if you are not storing anything, well, you won't be able you won't be able to compare anything. And then there are some quick fixes, quick wins mm-hmm. like the DNS logging, which they can do even if the if even if organizations don't have the capability of storing that for a year, maybe they can store it for three months or six months or something. Mm-hmm. And that's already better than don't have not having any. As an added bonus, threat hunting is a very, very niche skill, and it is always good to help your analysts build that that capability. It'll provide benefits for you down the road, regardless if you find something or not. 100%, definitely. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time today, Vitor, and chatting with us about active defenses. Uh, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Tallow Stakes. Join us again when we're talking about another threat that is top of mind for us. Thanks for joining us. 